Hi, friends. Welcome back to With Great People, the podcast for high-performance teams. I'm Richard Kasparowski. In this episode, I chat with Llewellyn Falco, an agile technical coach specializing in legacy code and test-driven development. Llewellyn is the creator of the open-source testing tool, Approval Tests. He's also the co-founder of Teaching Kids Programming, and he's an author at Pluralsight. Llewellyn and I got together at the Agile 2019 conference in Washington, D.C. We talked about mob programming, how to build a successful remote team, and how to grow rather than engineer crushingly effective teams. I hope you enjoy it. To support this podcast, visit my website, kasparowski.com. Thanks for listening. So we're here at Agile 2019, the big Agile conference. In Washington, D.C. <laughs> Washington, D.C. We're sitting in the amazing plush hospitality suite, and I'm here with Llewellyn Falco. Hi, Llewellyn. Hello, everyone. Awesome having you here. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, Llewellyn, will you introduce yourself to our listeners? So I am a technical coach, and that means that I go to companies and I sit with their teams and I program with them and help them to program better. Mm -hmm. And that usually looks like I sit with three teams a day for about two hours with each team. And we program in what's called mob programming, where it's the entire team at one computer rotating about every two minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do. Two minutes. That's really fast. Yeah, it's really fast. (laughs) It it means that you need to be in communication with the rest of your team because you don't have enough time to complete a thought. And so if you haven't communicated that when the rotation occurs, it will not continue. All right. All right. All right. So the team has to have a complete thought together. There's so many team building exercises, but it turns out a really good team building exercise is work as a team. Yeah, do the work together. Yeah, learn how to do it together. This is part of what I what I what I love about you and why I want, wanted to have you on the podcast. Uh, you're both an incredible technical coach, and you really get the people and teaming stuff. So I have to say, I have been really blessed in life to have so many people to model. Getting people is not something that comes naturally to me. Yeah, uh, and most of this is me faking modeling just <laughs> excellent people. Uh, I mean, Woody Zool yeah. is a good one. Diana Larson yeah. is a, amazing. Very often, I have just been blessed to be like, oh, this is what it looks like to interact really well with people. And then I can try doing the same thing they do. Same with me. I've learned a ton from the same people and from you. Yeah. Oh, and thank cheers. you. Thank you for everything I've learned from you. So, so this is the podcast about great teams. Yes. We usually ask people about the best team of their entire life. You've, you've been to, I think, one of my classes, maybe one yeah. of my talks. Yeah, so absolutely. so you've, you've done this mental activity, maybe, where I ask people to think about the best team of their entire life. Could be a work team, could be a not work team. Sometimes people do it as this guided meditation thing, and they really yeah. take themselves back to that team. For you, what's that best team? So best is always a tricky question because I feel like, like it's like on security questions where like who's your well, who's your favorite band? <laughs> yeah. I feel like every time I see that I'm like, where was I when they asked that question? Yeah. Uh, so our like favorite at the moment. And my fa- my favorite at the moment is a, is a recent team, and I'm not sure why this is my favorite, but I think the reason is because it's not so much that they were like the most productive team that we were ever on or the most. Like and they were very productive and they and they were very like group orientated like like they were an emotionally intelligent team yeah but also in the context that they were working they felt so like the context was so hard so many of the other teams there were struggling so hard and this team was just soaring ahead 
and it felt like it just felt special All right. because because they were able to do this thing so we mob and this team mobbed yeah and this is a team that you're part of right this is a team that so i am temporarily part of okay so they they are working five to six hours a day mm -hmm. in in a mob and then I am part of the team for two hours each day. All right. So, so this is interesting. This is a yeah. little different from, from most people's take on the question. And I love this yeah. because the membership of the team is a little bit dynamic. You're yes. with them for part of the day, but not the whole day. But not the whole day You're because I'm coaching them. other teams as yeah. well. Um, they formed while I was there, yeah. uh, which I guess also gives me personally feel more ownership of. Right. Um, and formed... Uh, you know, sort of with my coaching. So like I yeah. was part of the formation of the team. Okay. And then we we continued together for about a year, year and a half. Okay. And you're with them pretty regularly for with that. With them fairly regularly. Yeah. Over that time. Okay. Yeah. And so like Ooh. I wanted to distill this into a single word, but they were doing test driven development on ETL transformations in SQL. So it was test room development in SQL. Yeah, I wish you could see, this is a podcast, so you don't yeah. get to see Richard's face right now. <laughs> my, right? my eyebrows going but up and down, TDD my eyes is hard out. enough to get a team to. <laughs> and TDD in SQL is, is usually considered just not a thing, like yeah. an impossibility, right? And that's like just so powerful. And so whatever came up, they were able to just go through it. And it was, it was that just, unstoppable was almost the word I would uh -huh. use. Unstoppable. Yeah. That's it, good. It, it felt great. It, it was, everyone was proud. I mentioned one of the team members there was also extremely emotionally intelligent to yeah. the point that very often I'd be like, oh crap, it's my job to do that. Like, why? <laughs> like, like he was just really stepping up. They did retros every day. Yeah. They made working agreements. They refined working agreements as it came. There was a time... So one of the odd things about teams that I don't I don't think is talked about that much is a very natural reaction by a lot of managers is that when you have a great team, the first thing you should do is split it up. Oh my God, yeah, right. Like, oh, let me spread this around. Splitting up a team and spreading it around is as logical as splitting up you and being like, well, let's put your arm on this team and our, wait a yeah. second, why isn't Richard working the same way he used to work? Yeah. <laughs> like, like. Any changes in a team, they're going to change the team. And a great team, as far as I can tell, is effectively magic. I kind of feel like it's like love. It's really easy to identify. Like you, It's clear as day that you're in it. But to reproduce it is almost impossible. Like, yeah. So my general rule is like when you are with a great team, you just do whatever you can to keep that team going for as long as it can. Mm-hmm. Even with our best intentions, great teams will, the dynamic will change and, and that greatness, it seems to be temporary. Maybe you can get one year out of it. Maybe you can get five years out of it. Maybe you can get 10 years out of it, but it is a temporary thing. And so ride that for as long as you can. Yeah. I think of publicly known teams, something like yeah. music groups. Like well, bands, like Beatles right? being a great example, right? Yeah. Like love the Beatles, super productive, yeah. 10 years. Yeah, I mean, and I've never been on a team for ten years. That's a long time for, for me. That's an eternity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, get as much as you can because because yeah. it's. I mean, okay. So I'm a huge fan of the TV show Arrested Development. Okay. The original three years, and I, I lived actually in Orange County, which there's a lot of jokes in there that hit very hard. If you if you've been part of that experience, you're like, yeah. oh damn, I know that person. <laughs> <laughs> and they stopped it and then they did it again on Netflix and it just, it sucks. That's all there is to it. 
but the first three seasons are amazing. But it's the same people. Like you're like, what is why? Why can't you? You can't. You think you could. You think you could just reassemble the team and everything is easy. But no, mm. people change and things have changed and situations have changed and. When you have that magic, you just appreciate it. Yeah. Please appreciate it and try to hold it as long as I. And another thing is sometimes people will be like, have you seen South Park? Yeah, of course. Have you seen the documentary like Six Days to Air? Oh, I don't think so. So South Park is a, is a very different cartoon than other, team, other cartoons. And most cartoons take like a three to four months to produce an episode. South Park takes six days. Mm-hmm. Like when they air on Wednesday, they start. And if you look at it from an agile perspective, it is... It is right there on it's like continuous delivery. Like you're they're, they're taking one day off, maybe, and, yeah, and six days to production. Starting the script, starting writing the script, right, the next day, and then production and, yeah. and things like censorship, which is very, very hard. Um, they have models where they, they have sense like they have different communications with their sensor and they're giving their sensor pieces as they go, like, can we swear on your podcast? <laughs> like, Let's give it a try. <laughs> Can I say ass? We're going to say ass 35 times. Is that okay? Like, what about 36? <laughs> like, so, what about 36? So this, the, the sensor is giving them really tight feedback, which is oh. why South Park is very often really pushing the limits yeah. of what is allowed, right? And they're, they're usually very relevant. But one of the things about it is there's two people that sort of are the head of South Park, Trey and Matt, and I'm going to mess up who the person is. But one of them does a lot. And one of them does almost nothing. And and there was a, a one by the guy who does a lot. And he was like, okay, yeah, so I, I do most of the writing and I do a lot of the voices. And I do and he's like, and, and you, you can be tempted, but he's like a band. And he's like, and it's like Van Halen. And like, okay, Van Halen was the lead singer and he does the writing. And, yeah. But, you know, Sammy Hagar leaves that band and no one wants to listen to that band. Right. Right. Like it doesn't matter if you like the team value is completely different than the individual. And you have this idea that you can separate the individuals and somehow amplify the team. Yeah. And I mean, music being, again, a great example, yeah. like, you know, Queen being a bug. Queen is freaking awesome. But when yeah. he went out on his own, it totally sucked. Or Queen with a different singer. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Yeah. Like for, I, I wish it did. Yeah. If you see a magical team, respect that. And go with it. And, and you might say, well, this person is holding the team back. It, they most likely are not. They almost really, if your team is functioning well, mm-hmm. then it's you all might not people. see how those connections work. Yep. But they are there. And there were times where they wanted to break the team apart. And, and the team was able to have conversations like, if they get rid of this person, are you willing to say, like, we are also leaving? Yeah. Right? And like that, even having that conversation, like, are you willing to put your livelihood up with mine is a very hard conversation to have. And they had that kind of connection and trust. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about this team, half of them were remote. No kidding. Yeah, which is a All right. very surprising. I thing. want to know about this. So, so we talked about some subjective sensations. Any, any other subjective sensations when, when you're with this team, when you were with this team? What was it like? Or, or objective things that an outsider could observe or measure? Like so, 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 that, so that we know, like some, something within you that yeah. you noticed, something from the outside that you can notice. How do we know that this is the best team? What else? So they did things that didn't seem possible. So one thing is they needed a room. Yeah. And in the, getting conference rooms are, um, it's very tricky. Yeah. <laughs> Corporations, they really like meetings. 
I don't understand that. I personally am not a fan of meetings, but corporations seem to love them. Yep. And so scheduling a meeting room is hard, much less a consistent meeting room, much less much a less consistent all meeting all day. They found a, <laughs> a little room in the back that nobody really knew about. It was uh-huh. sort of like you had to go out one door and out this other room in the door and then into the back of that. Yeah. And they're like, nobody's using this. And it was a large office that was sort of just not being used. And they just sort of moved into it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and they stayed there for like eight months. Yeah. And they had this ability to just go around the barriers. Mm-hmm. right? They got their BAs to sit in. And, and very often the BAs would just sit. They wouldn't join the mob. So they never like took the keyboard, but they would just work on their laptops. And then from time to time, we just ask like a fiscal year has like more than 365 days. What's up with that? And they'd be like, oh yeah, here's how fiscal years work. Right. Like, and so it was like really just in time insights that prevented us from doing the wrong thing. And, And the BAs liked it for two reasons. One, every time we asked them a question, it was like two or three meetings that we prevented for them. Right. right, because as much as they love meetings, <laughs> they're, like, they're like, yep, oh, yep, thanks for doing what we want. And then the other thing is the excuse of being able to sit by us gave them this space where they could actually get some work done as well, right? Like, so we sort yeah. of provided this excuse of let me give you some quiet and shielding yeah. so you can actually get some of the things done instead of having people bombard you all day. Yeah, I love the, that feeling of growth. Okay. That was in the team. So we did not Feeling start out doing TDD and SQL. Really? No. How oh, no, no. It's Well, we were doing SQL. We started exploring tests. The tests started to get better and easier. And we had a tester. One of the people on the team was a tester. And so he brought testing mindset to us a lot. And he would very right. often ask, well, what about this? And after we had the tests, his what about this started becoming a test before we had code. Uh, nice. And, and so it was that movement and then of course we did the retros at the end of the day they actually did them in mind map form okay. and then saved them so we actually had history 218 <laughs> mind maps and they're electronic mind maps because some of the people are yeah so it. we use something called mind map which is mind map okay. with a u instead of an a yeah uh, dot com and it's just a really nice online mind map from oh, goiko actually the guy who wrote the specification by example book right. and it was super nice very elegant tool free, all kinds of goodness, and very easy to, to put on the sh- screen and share because, again, we have two people remote. Yeah. We haven't really talked about that. We should talk about that. Yeah, so, I want to hear about that. So this was a team of four, and, and there's a couple of things that actually made it. Plus you? Plus me. So, okay. f- yeah, five when I'm there and four yeah. when I'm not there. And two of them were about an hour away, okay. right, which is drivable but annoying. Yeah. And, and they were kind of contractors, too. Uh-huh. And so... That actually made things easier in the beginning because we were sort of like, well, we're going to work in this way. And they were like, okay, well, you're the boss. You know, like, you know, this is sort of easier to, to be willing to try some things out. Yep. They drove down for two days. So two and, days a week? No, two days, two days. period. <laughs> <laughs> they, they drove down okay. on a Monday and they drove down on a Tuesday. And then from that day on, they remoted in the whole time. All right. So I, it was really good having them there for the two days. Yeah. It allowed us to sync up and get yeah. everything in line. And then we also uphold, upheld the rule that, so in mobbing, you very often have a designated navigator and designated driver. Yeah. And we made the rule that those always went across the wire. Uh-huh. So it was never the two people or three people in the same room talking to each other. All right. It was always we were talking to somebody 
across. Interesting. That is yeah. really it's insightful, really important. unusual, important. Yeah. Well, because the, the thing is, it's hard to do it. And so if you don't do it, usually a lot gets lost. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're, we're basically saying lowest common denominator or greatest constraint. Like, yeah. we're not going to ignore it. We are going to cater to it. Oftentimes, you get two people sitting together and they're ignoring the remote people. There's yeah, remote people talking the and they're, they're ignoring remote. the people in the room. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's so this, brilliant. This worked out really well to keep that all in. Who thought, how, how did that, was that from a retrospective? How did that happen? That, that was from me. I learned that the way I learned most of my things, which is I messed it up many, many other times <laughs> uh, until I finally realized that, oh no, this doesn't work at all. I had an easy mess up on that because I had a team that was like, four people here and four people in India. Yep. And so we did four entire things here and then four entirely in India. And A, when we got to India, they were like, what the hell's going on? And by the time we got back to us, we were like, oh crap, <laughs> we've zoned out. Yep. And so the, a lot of the reason I do things well is because I've done them wrong a lot <laughs> beforehand. And I'm a slow learner, but I get there eventually. <laughs> so, so, so we had that going in. All right, yeah. cool, cool. Any, uh, any other objective stuff that, that an outsider would notice or that somebody would, could measure? Objectively, well, so two things objectively. They were more productive and lower bugs than mm -hmm. any of the other teams oh, on there. All right. So right. you had a way to measure their productivity. We did, but also it wasn't even close. Really? I mean, it wasn't like one is 50 and we're 52, right? It was like every other team is late and we finished early. Uh -huh. And every other team is having bug problems, and we are not. Yeah. And, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was just, it was, it was much different. We also had things like, I would call them innovation. Uh -huh. This is not the same team, but a different team okay. uh, that was also mobbing down in Florida. They innovated so quickly that what I really wanted to do is, <laughs> I never did this because with this team in particular, some, you know, teams have different cultures. Yeah. And the thing I wanted to do was kind of kindergarten-y, and this culture would not appreciate it. <laughs> but what I wanted to do was make a tree on their wall, and then every time they added a new technology, put it on the tree. And every time they discarded one, have that leaf fall to the ground. Because... That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> and, but also the ground would just be covered. Because, right. I mean, they would be like, well, we brought in... in Redis, but then we found out it has these problems. So now we switched to Cassandra, but then we found out we have that. Now we're just doing fire hose on Amazon, and that seems to be working for us. But then we realized that struts is, you know, it's just, they would burn through technology <laughs> so quickly, and not in a haphazard way, yeah. in a bring stuff in very easily, come against some of its limitations, yeah. and then realize there was a better way to do it. And, and it was just impressive to see how quickly they would move. Yeah. This team did not, the, the one I'm talking about here, didn't move that quickly. But compared to everyone else, again, we were just, it moved much quicker. Our DevOps yeah. was, you know, when other places were not paying attention to their DevOps at all, we are. We were one of the first teams to move into Git. We were one mm -hmm. of the first, uh, we did the testing, we did the SQL testing. Yep. Um, we adopted new ETL technology. Like, it just felt like the innovation is on fire. Yeah. And objectively, it was better. Objectively, right. we were more innovative than the other teams. Yeah. So what the statement I'm about to say is a logical human being is hurting my brain. But objectively, they were happier. Objectively, <laughs> they were 
subjectively, subjectively happier. happier. Okay. But I mean, like. So how, how do you how do you observe happier? Again, like you just being in the room, you would be smiling too. Yeah. Like they were happier. Yeah, you know, like uh, like you could hold an audio meter in the room, like and, and objectively measure the loudness. It's, it's almost like I mean, we have all these senses in our bodies. Our yeah. body, our body is a gauge that we can use to sense what's going on. So you could sense more happiness. And one of the interesting things we don't normally talk about the team falling apart. Yeah. But do you mind if we go there? Yeah. yeah. So this team fell apart. It fell apart in a very predictable. In fact, I would say predictable enough that I outright told the people that this is how it's going to fall apart. And it happened anyways. Uh -huh. So they wanted to cut cost. And so they decided they would get rid of the two consultants. Mm -hmm. And I said, that is a great way of cutting costs because you will lose the entire team. <laughs> <laughs> and, and effectively, that is what happened. So they, they cut the two consultants. The happiness dropped. Yeah. It was less than two weeks before they lost the other two people. Wow. At which point they said, oh, crap. Like, what are we going to do? So they went back to the consultants. One of them had already hit a job, and they got the other one. And of the three people, I think the one they were most willing to get rid of is now the only one they have. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and this is so predictable, but I think it's so easy. I think it's so easy for corporations to think that a job is such a gift hmm. that they can do whatever they want, and you'll do whatever you need to keep your job. Yeah, that might have been true... 50 years ago? That years might ago? have been true back then. It's definitely not true in technology nowadays. Yeah. And it's definitely not true of people who feel empowered, yeah. regardless of where they are. Yeah. And so it was just very unfortunate. But again, this idea of just try to hold on to the magical team as long as possible seems to be very controversial so for reasons I don't understand. You actually started with advice. Yeah. This was the advice. Hold on to that team for as long, long as, as you possible. Can. So that itself is great advice. Yeah. Do you have any other advice about how to, how to reproduce some of the, the goodness that this team had? How could other people get that? Yes, but I would like to say that this is much more gardening than engineering, uh -huh. right? Like you can set up conditions and hopefully things will grow. Uh, and there are things you can do to encourage growth, but you can't make the tomato grow. It has to do it on its own. Yeah. And if there is a way to make a team just do it forcefully, I don't know it. But there are some things that are very helpful. Number one, just from a pure mechanical thing, mobbing is an amazing way to amplify a team. All right, I want to pause. Not all the listeners know what mobbing means. Oh, that's so you, an excellent point. Decompress mobbing yeah. to the longer name. So I'm going to give it a short version, and all then right. we'll, we'll pull it up. All right. Mob programming is very similar to something called pair programming. If you don't know what that means, I'll explain it in a second. <laughs> but uh, So pair programming, two people at one computer. Mob programming, the entire team at one computer. All right. And then just to expand that more, the way that it works is uh, we usually have a large TV or a projector, uh, oftentimes two, yeah. uh, not mirrored, but double screens. And um, we have the team sitting around. We have one keyboard. We have the person at the keyboard. They're the driver. They are not thinking. The rule is no thinking at the keyboard. Yeah. And then the rest of the team is the navigator, and they are telling them what to do. In the beginning, it's much more structured where you have a very dedicated navigator. Yeah. 
In the remote teams, we actually upheld that for significantly longer into years yeah. where, where we don't with it because, again, the communication model is so difficult. Right. And then the rest of the team members are both following along and, and contributing, adding, asking questions. And we're rotating very, very frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned before, like somewhere between two and five minutes, a six-minute rotation is pretty long. Yeah. And so it is forcing the entire team to be part of it. And it shares information and increases learning at a ridiculous rate. And another thing that happens, so in a mob, uh, you're going to get differences of opinions. One of the rules that we have for the mob is if you have if you have multiple ways of doing it, don't talk about it. Do both of them. If you have five ways, do all five, yeah. and then vote after having done it. Voting after the work is done versus before the work is done is a very different thing. I don't know if you observe Brexit, but um, <laughs> it's just very different in retrospect than what you perceive it to be. And and it's actually faster and than, it's than all the debate faster. that happens before you even yes. try one way. Yes, you, you can do... 10 minutes of five different ways and throw away the other four. So you waste the 40 minutes. And if you want to save that 40 minutes, you can do it with just two or three hours of discussion. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, so it's much faster and it prevents a lot of biases we have such as like, well, this person is very charismatic or this person is who we see as the leader or authoritative or this person is paid the most. Or they're louder, um, or they yeah. can talk with that inhaling, so they get a lot more words out than anybody else. And so just <laughs> removing all of that, you start to get more ideas. And one of the interesting things is some of the best ideas, I used to think the best ideas came from the people who were the best at making ideas mm-hmm. uh, because they were the ones who made the best ideas. They make <laughs> the best ideas. They must have the best ideas. Turns out, absolutely not. A, they don't have the best ideas, and B, they have a lot of really horrible ideas. There are a lot of people who have great ideas and just they don't know how to grow them at all. Hmm. It's like you, you you dye the seed. The seed dies on the ground. You think, oh, there's no tomato there. But no, it's just a dead seed. And so when those ideas move to the group, hmm. they they blossom where if it is if the idea holder is the only one who can make the idea grow, the people who are not very good at growing ideas. Are Those ideas just die. They die yeah. on the vine. But uh, there's a bunch of other gardeners capable of cultivating exactly. whatever, whatever all of a sudden, idea seeds get dropped. So much seeds are blooming and taken yeah. care of. And, and again, the mobbing sort of makes it team ownership, which encourages team optimization. Uh-huh. I mean, you should be optimizing for the team anyways, but individual things get in play a lot. And the mobbing really helps that. Yeah. And then the other thing, Woody talks about these working agreements of kindness, consideration, and respect. And, and I think those are essential mm-hmm. to the point that when I've had mobs, even high-performing mobs that didn't have that, you could just set a clock and like, okay, this team is going to self-destruct in like three, two, one <laughs> month, boom. It, it's just, I mean, we don't, I don't think we value happiness nearly as much. In my personal life, sometimes I'm almost wary of happiness. Like, oh, that's a trap. <laughs> but happiness at work is is really valuable and it should be it should be happiness in the work right it's not like oh i go to work and then i'm happy when we go out on the company events or i'm happy when i'm gone it should be like the work working with my team makes me happy yeah and that is that is a very valuable thing and if you don't have kindness consideration and respect it is almost impossible to have happiness Mm -hmm. in that equation any other advice mob together 
retro frequently. Uh, we retro every day. Mm -hmm. How long is that retro? So the very first one is usually about half an hour, but the other ones usually are between 10, 15 minutes on a long retro. Okay. Not much has happened since the day before, so it's not that much to go through. Yeah. And you know, sometimes we'll do lean coffee retros. A lot of times we'll do the mind map. Uh, with the mind map, we actually have now started with a template of, so we'll just put like the day in the middle, and then we'll be like tooling, uh -huh. domain, group patterns, like working patterns, people patterns, random observations, and then uh, emotions. Yeah. So the emotions is a tricky one. Because most of the time we want to ignore the emotions. And if you just put the emotions up on there, I do not find those are usually helpful. Mm -hmm. For two reasons. A, no one wants to put the negative ones. And B, they're just sort of, eh. Anyhow, if you put the emotion and the event that happened right before that triggered it. Okay. Then we move from, a, oh, well, this is a nice emotion or this is a, to what is that emotion trying to tell us about the event? Yeah. Right? And so I'm bored. It just feels really negative, right? But I'm bored when we spent that 40 minutes trying to mess with the d deploy scripts so we could do it. Like, that's a, oh, maybe that boredom is telling us that we need to fix that part of our process. Or I'm really angry that when we came in, all, you know, we had all the code that we had nice was now messed up. Right. Right? Like, okay, well, that anger is telling you like something important to you is being threatened. And like, yeah. maybe you are thinking like, what is threatening the code quality? And okay, yeah, maybe you could just yell at the programmers that are doing it. Or maybe you could change the process so it can't be as threatened, right? Yeah. And you could do that in multiple ways, right? Like you don't have to destroy the other programmers. Like you could lift them up yep. so they're not doing it. You could change the system so bad commits get more gated or checked. Yep. Or, or you could, like, there's lots of different ways to use that energy that anger gives you. Yeah. But this thing of taking the emotion in the event, I found that to be very productive because it, it's actually a very rich part of your brain trying to communicate something to you. Right. And if you don't include the event and then move to the analytical part of the brain, you very often gotcha. behave sort of like a three-year-old, which is, is why we usually try to not bring emotions to work. Right. <clears throat> All right, so um, we've got mobbing, we've got very frequent retros, including emotion and the event that associates with that emotion. Exactly. Anything else? Happiness. Yeah. So I, I want to use the word friend with carefulness, right? Because it's yeah. not necessarily like these people hung out together after yeah. work. But in terms of like work friends, there were strong personal connections. Yeah. And, and by that I mean People willing to say things like, I disagree with this, but it's obviously important to you, and I will do it for right. you. Right? Like, it's that kind of, I have a personal relationship and capital with you. Yeah. So maybe we're, maybe we're not going out afterwards and playing games stuff, but we definitely have a strong respect and, at the very least, work friendship yeah. at play. And I think that's part of happiness. I think so, too. Yeah. This is beautiful stuff. Thank you. How can people contact you? Well, a uh, couple different ways. Uh, easiest is Twitter. Uh, if you Google me, I have a very internet unique name, Lou Ellen. It's spelled with a lot of L's because it is very Welsh. <laughs> and with Falco, it, it is internet unique. Uh, there's a publishing company called Lou Ellen. It has nothing to do with me. That that uh, a great way to do it is just uh, contact me on LinkedIn or right. contact me on Twitter, Lou Ellen Falco. And 
If you are an individual developer, um, I do a lot of remote pairing. So that is often a good way of like contacting, let's pair on something that you're interested in. Uh, I run a couple open source projects. So if you are unhappy with any of them, a pairing session is fantastic. <laughs> and then uh, if you want me to come in and work with your teams, I work in two week blocks, but I travel all around the world. So all right. yeah. All right, Llewellyn Falco. Thank you very much for joining us today. This was really, really fun. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hi, friends. Thanks again for listening. And remember, to support this podcast, visit my website, kasparowski.com. Mm-hmm.